Welcome everybody to the living room. Um, this has been an interesting journey as always before I come up here. Uh, I love it when God gives me examples in my life to be able to share the message he told me to give a month ago. So um, I'm excited. Um, for those of you that know, don't, don't know me, my name is Jeff Bradley. I'm a leader here at the living room. I do all the outside the wall stuff. So if I hit you up to do something, please come see me. <laughs> we, we do a lot of things here at the living room. Um, we're really about being outside these walls and letting the kingdom grow and people see that through our relationship with those outside our walls. So get active. That's kind of the end of the message here. Um, It's a two-part thing. Um, I want to talk a little bit at the beginning here so you'll know kind of what I'm doing at the end. Um, We have someone coming next week. His name is Keith Weedman. Um, And who he is um, is very dear to me. I met him as a director of Volunteers in Medicine as a client. Um, and he's uh, really came on board instrumental in the last year of my life to mentor me to build the kingdom. So he's this really cool believer um, that has done a lot of work in our welfare system um, and not-for-profits and has started, uh, for lack of understanding, because I don't know everything about what he's doing presently, but I do know that he has started a brand-new consulting firm to bring a new way of counseling to people um, in the system. And uh, so I'm going to speak to my relationship with him towards the end, but I wanted you to know who I was talking about when I get there. Um, I, uh, I prepare for things a little different than the conventional guy. Um, I felt the Lord pull on my heart um, in two meetings to speak about Jude. Um, and uh, that's the book before Revelations, for all of you who don't know. Um, what we're going to do is I, I want to read the first, like, uh, 20 verses or so um, because um, I'd like you guys to evaluate that part yourself. And then I'm going to really speak to the last part um, as it applies to me and, and, and those of us around here that I believe um, where we haven't heard it before. So Jude, anybody know who Jude was? Or is, or was, however you want to look at it. Anybody know who he is? Nobody? Nobody. Yeah, he was raised with Jesus as a kid. There was two of them. The other name's escaping me right now. James? Yeah, one another one of those guys. And the interesting part that I found out in researching Jude, um, they didn't come to know Jesus until after he was crucified as their Savior. Which blew me away. I mean, how can you walk around with somebody all their life and not know that he's the son of God, right? I mean, to our mind, he was doing crazy wild things all of his life. So I can relate to Jude, right? A lot of us can. We were told and shown the way, walking with people that know Christ and still didn't get it for a long, at least I didn't, for a long time. They tried to show me. Um, And so I relate to Jude fairly well. Uh, It's interesting that um, he brings up some interesting people like Enoch in the book, um, which we, I don't know if any of you have looked into what Enoch wrote. Um, I did a long time ago before I even knew Jesus. That was some weird stuff in the Christian world, right? So uh, there it is, and we'll let it be. Um, So with that being said, any of you, I'm going to try, okay? I'm going to try and bring these verses up, and then I'm just going to read a little bit. Um, and the reason I'm doing it this way, so you know, 
Um, I think and believe that a lot of us got that first part of the message. Church is messed up, right? Um, And there's people around that just have taught us not necessarily the whole truth to follow Christ. And that's what he's speaking to here. Um, But he gives us some distinct instructions at the end of the book of how to do it, right? To be a human, to be a man of God, to be a woman of God, and so on. So bear with me um, as I try to read here, okay, and let you see. Yes. Uh, This is out of the message. One thing that I do when I get ready, I have four different styles of Bibles at home. And when the Lord tells me to read something, I'm one of those weird ones. I go right to the old King James first. I hadn't read Jude for a while. And uh, I got real scared when I read it in the King James. Um, So this is my standby to help relate with people, um, the message. Um, It's also interesting in the the new Jewish Bible, I think is the name of it that I got, of what he has to say too and how it's worded. Anyways, let's read real quick if we can. I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ, brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. Hear that? Kept safe. Relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Dear friends, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. I have to write insisting, begging that you fight with every, wait a second, with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us, faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and cherish. What has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks, skip the parentheses, who be beneath their pious skin are shameless scoundrels. Their design is to replace the sheer grace of our God with sheer license which means going away, which means doing away with Jesus Christ, our one and only master. I'm laying this out as clearly as I can, even though you once knew all this well enough. Oh, see, thanks, Quinn. Sorry. Uh, I'm laying this all out as clearly as I can, even though you once knew all this well enough and shouldn't need reminding. Here it is in brief. The master saved a people out of the land of Egypt. Later, he destroyed those who defected. And you know the story of the angels um, who didn't stick to their post, abandoning it for other darker missions. But they are now chained and jailed in a black hole until the great judgment day. Sodom and Gomorrah, which went to sexual rack and ruin, along with the surrounding cities that acted just like them, are another example, burning and burning and never burning up. They serve still as a stock warning. We've all heard these messages many times, right? Okay. Where am I at? Okay. This is exactly the same program of these latest infiltrators. Dirty sex, rule, and rulers thrown out. Glory dragged in the mud. The archangel Michael who went to the mat with the devil. Dang it. Oh, looky there, blank one. Okay. The angel, Mike, the archangel Mike, did I go too far? Okay. The, the archangel Michael, who went to the mat with the devil, as they thought over the, or fought over the body of Moses, would, wouldn't have dared level him with a blasphemous curse, but said simply, no, you don't. God will take care of you. Oh, she's such a sweetheart. Um, 
mean, mess me up. No, you don't. God will take care of you. But these people sneer at anything they can't understand. And we know who the people are. We still on track. They're the people in charge, led the wrong way. They're leading people the wrong way. People sneering at anything they can't, they cannot understand. And by and by doing whatever they feel like doing, living by animal instinct only, they participate in their own destruction. I'm fed up with them. They've gone down Cain's road. They've been sucked into Balaam's error by greed. They're canceled out in Korah's rebellion. These people are warts on your love feast as you worship and eat together. They've gone down. Okay, these people are warts on our love feast as you worship and eat together. They're giving you a black eye, carousing shamelessly, grabbing anything that isn't nailed down. Uh oh. Did it change? Here we go. Well, it's too far. What's this right now? These people. No, it's still not doing it. All right. We'll let it go. I tried, y'all. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep reading until he finds it. How's that? Uh, thank you. Their puffs of smoke. It's really the same message. Their puffs giving us more definition. Puffs of smoke pushed by gust of wind. Late autumn trees stripped clean of leaf and fruit. Doubly dead. Pulled up by the roots. Wild ocean waves leaving nothing on the beach but the foam of their shame. Lost stars in outer space on their way to the black hole. The big thing is there's a lot of people that tell us about these people in the word, right? We're sticking to those people that say, I am a believer and leading people astray. It's kind of confusing to me because I feel I do that at times because I don't know everything. But I think that when we grow as believers, in particularly um, we c- become confident in a base of relationship with people so that they can see God work through us in Christ. And that's the big thing. Um, we always need to evaluate our leaders, right? We hold them accountable, I hope, or the enemy will have his way. So, Enoch, there's that name. Look it up. The seventh after Adam prophesied of them. Look. The master comes with thousands of holy angels to bring judgment against them all. Future, right? Convincing each of us every defiling act of shameless sacrilege. Of every dirty word they have spewed of their pious filth. These are the grumpers, the belly acres, grabbing for the biggest piece of the pie. Taking big, saying anything they will. Or anything they think will get them ahead. Remember, dear friends, and this is the part to remember, because he's speaking to us right now, us believers. But remember, dear friends, that the apostles of our master, Jesus Christ, told us this would happen. With Jesus, no fear, right? So we should know this is happening. In the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They'll teach. They'll treat them like a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lust. These are the ones who split churches, thinking only of themselves. There's, no, 
there's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. Okay, go back just for a second. Um, a lot of us have been in a church before. Um, we ran from that church because we did not feel comfortable for some reasons, right? Which tainted our thoughts, maybe, some of us that are crazy on the definition of what Christ is, the church, and all those things. Um, there's something that I live through, and I call it the kingdom of God, that exists. And Christ is a major component to that for me in different ways. He's our example as a human on how to act, right? He's, he shows us as he walks how there's this link between him and this Father God, right? That's what he said. We're human too, right? We have the ability to communicate. All these little things that stopped us from seeing God in our life. I was told I had to talk like you, raised Catholic, through a priest, even to have communication with the guy. You know? So as we've grown, and I see how the living room operates, I look and see us, a lot of us, in this place of understanding, okay, already, that's very base. Because we have a common denominator of Christ. And we're comfortable with who he is to us as individuals to share that with others. What that might mean in a relationship. And I realized that, you know, I went home and roasted coffee over the weekend. Again, God uses coffee like crazy in my refining process of becoming who I am and what I do. And uh, you get affirmation in little things, right? Right? from the Lord if you're paying attention, even though it might be stressful or nasty or whatever. And Jude's giving us a formula that if we would pay attention to do these things with this thing that's been provided by God to us, and we relate with Christ to refine this thing, we will build the kingdom of God on the planet. And I find that a mandate on my life to the future of the kingdom of God on the planet. That's me. And I know that there's some of us in here that walk in and out of that same mindset and share the growth of the kingdom because of the living room's format, which is beautiful. Which is beautiful. Um, So the little thing that was a big example. All right. Let me read this, and then we'll talk about stories. Oh, she's got it. Oh, no, you don't. I know. Okay. I really want to hit this because I think a lot of us will always battle that first part, are we? And and I don't want to speak to all that. I know that my job as a believer is to build the kingdom of God as Christ showed me through his word and others around me. That's what I do. So I live in the moment of the end times praying for our Savior to come and do it with no fear. Right. So, but you, dear friends, be care. Or, but you, dear friends, carefully build yourself selves up in this most holy faith. Jesus, your Savior, right? Okay. By praying in the Holy Spirit. That's one I really don't want to talk about today. You got to find that yourself. I did. I think most of us have to get through that to figure out and understand it. 
Staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. Anybody want to comment on that one? Mercy of Jesus Christ. Accept him as your savior. Do what he tells you to do. We're good. Basically. I'm human. I screw that up too. I'm glad he didn't. So I can look towards him. This is the unending life. The real life. Well, is the kingdom alive now or are we going to die and run off and do it? I mean, really, come on. We are to be Christ to the world. To facilitate the coming of him. To help build this place that he's going to take. And that's how I feel about it. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Easy. What's that mean? Go easy on those that don't believe like I believe. Right? Go after those who take the wrong way. What's that mean? I drank a beer. Am I going the wrong way? Some say. You know? Some say. I looked at the wrong site. Am I going the wrong way? What is it? I mean, really, am I? <laughs> Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. That's probably the biggest statement. We, I mean, I know I struggle to really understand what that means. For myself, I believe sin is a spiritual matter, not the flesh. We act sin out with our flesh because we don't know how to handle it. And that hence the refining process and accountability that Christ mandates on our life with our fellow believers. The sin itself stinks to high heaven. So, of course. Is me, you know, because someone says that I sinned, someone else says that I sinned by doing certain things with my vessel God's provided. I'm going to go to hell. They have no place to tell me that. That's a hard one. Okay. You, you, you might call it sin because I've done something. I'll reword it a little bit maybe. Um, you might call it sin because I've, some, I've done something with my shell, my flesh, that you consider a sin. Sin to me is this guy came to me and I've got all the resources in the world to help him and I have to make a decision because of who I am. I'm going to be involved with a relationship with that guy so he can see Christ and get better. That's very complicated. Okay, but it's really basic too. I, my heart and desire for who I am is to help anyone, right? That's what he says we need to do, right? To do anything that I can to show that, chase them, whatever. But if I am not in a place of understanding that people will run around and do what they want to do with their shell, and I might distinguish that as sin, I'm not going to tell you you go to hell, right? Because it's not my place. As a believer, I can't judge you. I can't. So the important piece in this message for me, and I believe for our church is, and we're very good at is getting in relationship with people on an individual basis and getting in that place of commonality to where we understand that sin is a spiritual matter. 
not necessarily a flesh one. And that was the message I got. Now, I might get triggered because I'm angry, and I might punch a wall. This has been a little while, right? The behavior is what I'm sinning against because I've got this right. I get angry because women get hit. Sometimes, and due to my own past, I'm a little crazy. I might want to go after somebody. You know, if something were to, I, I fight with these things on how I behave with this because of the appearance of what you might think sin is or you might think sin is. But being in a group of people that understand that we have to deal with that pressure, our emotions, to where we can't offend anybody anymore. Here, physically. Now, if I stir you up because you're righteously hearing from the Lord that I am saying something way off base, what should you do? Stand up and holler, he's a liar? Or should you have a relationship with somebody to where you can help them see the truth from the Lord? Because ultimately that's the message that you are to hear and you are to hear and I am to hear is from the Lord on such matters. I can walk with people and be an example like Christ, but really all that other stuff that people stress about, am I hanging out with the right people? Am I um, one of those people You know, I'm sure Christ walked around in the same atmosphere. The word says it, right? He walked around and he was attracted to those lesser in the world. And I think it was those that didn't know how to see and hear the kingdom of God and respond appropriately with the thing God gave them to facilitate the kingdom of God. Hence the big message of relationship with Christ. And that example to be emulated from us to others. Wow, time goes fast sometimes. Um, Because I really want to speak to the example of my walk with Keith over the last three years so that we're prepared for next week. But I want to use a small example of what it takes to build the kingdom because of what happened. Jesse, Man, and Kendra, some of you know, um, our young couple here, they're Judy's, Kendra's Judy's granddaughter. Um, They have come back from California. And the day they came back from California, they're coming back to stay. Um, They go to their trailer. It's completely gutted because who they left it in their hands, rented it to somebody else. Okay, Jesse and Kendra was a heavy part of this really old man across the street from them, helping him go to doctors. He's 90-some, a vet. All these things. He has no financial barriers whatsoever to help him other than love him, right? He has no one. He never had children. He has been, his wife had passed away a little over 20 years ago. So they helped him before they left. And they have a passion to help this old man. They called me, said they're in town. I'm like, oh, cool, I'll come see you here in a couple hours, right? By the time I got there, Kendra was moved to go check on Stanley. The doors were wide open. He was on the floor. Hospice has been gotten involved the last year, and they've given him three to six months to live. He went from driving his vehicle just a year ago and doing all of his own stuff, but with help from people going with him to where he's at today. Now, my question to you guys would be, what would you do? What would you do? If you could, what would you do? There's requirements. I went through a lot of the hospice, all this stuff. You guys know this, the last four years with my grandparents. 
and my parents being their caregivers. We were leaving the next day to go roast coffee. Hospice took the man to a respite area and gave him five days, and then they had to make a decision. Either he goes locked away the whole time, which is not what he needs or wants, because he is capable, he's lucid. But there has to be someone in charge to make the medical decisions right now. And the only way that this man was going to be happy in their eyes was, guess we got to move. It has to be 24 hours in his house. So they're moving in. Well, they took him an hour ago to his own home and have committed whatever. They don't have jobs yet. They can work around him. They don't need a lot. They proved that before they left here. And their trailer needs to have carpet. They, they trashed it. needs to have carpet put in it. The pipes broke when they turned the water on it. I mean, it's a mess. And due, due to their relationship before and seeing that there's nobody else in the world that this man would look to and see as loving people to help him through those end times, which I know are very, t- they're huge. More huge for me, uh, what I've seen, more huge than the actual guy dying is the people around him trying to lift the kingdom. They're very pushed. Kendra and Jesse had to have a little battle, right, about this decision because it's a big deal. You don't take on the last few days of somebody's life and drop the ball because that's their heart. So... And those, and so that's extreme, right? I mean, not all of us are going to have that drop in our lap, and we have to make those decisions. So off to Keith and what I see the future being beautiful about and my story a little bit between Keith and I. Um, I was laid off from Cummins. I'd lost my insurance. I'm an insulin-dependent diabetic. My supply chain was gone. I needed stuff. And uh, so I went to Volunteers in Medicine. Um, and this was, I don't know, two, three years ago. And uh, Keith was the director. Come to find out it ended up being his last year there. But Keith was the director. And because of how the living room and people around me and what I've done and whatnot, it was really easy for me, unlike most of their clients, to go in and be proactive with who's interviewing me and those things. And we talked outside of my medical issues. Um, because of the living room, and he was this and that, and the social work that I do. Okay, so my I'm going to be real honest because it's all changing. Um, I still have issues of doing things I'm technically not supposed to, right? But this is how it's always been for me. My diabetic supplies for my pump has been coming from my mother since I moved here. There's certain ways you use your stuff, and she always ended up with extra. It was kind of a no-brainer, give it to Jeff which technically is illegal because the insurance paid for it, right? And she's giving it away. All these little loopholes, doctor said do all this this way, and man, we fall out of that sometimes, and there's extra stuff. So that's how that's happened, okay? Well, there was some, her insurance changed, hence, and she didn't have the stuff. I needed insulin. It's four hours away. This is when I was still uh, getting insulin that way, um, so I ended up, long story short, I ended up volunteers and medicine and told, it was honest with him about my future, about what I wanted to do. I don't want help. I don't want, I want to be self-sustaining, right? I want to do these things that um, some, from a basic standpoint I never learned. 
through my home, through my life. So that's when I met Keith. Well, just, re- you know, a little, almost a full year ago, I was in the situation where I had used the last of my insulin. I had my pump supplies, and the way that I could get insulin, and that, it was a mistake. I left it in northern Indiana to bring it home. So my own, I took with me this time. You know what I mean? I left it at my cousin's house. And uh, so I stretched what I had as long as I could because I knew I could get these things, the process I had gone through before. Well, I found out Keith was no longer the head of volunteers in medicine. And this is almost a year ago. Um, Told him my situation, and he helped me figure it out. With the sideship of mentoring, it was God that brought Keith back into my life through Eric Riddle. Eric went to see Keith speak of something. I don't remember what it was. And they started talking. He brought up the living room. They both brought me up. Eric says, you need to call Keith. It had been two years since I even talked to the guy. And it was ironic that it happened to be the day before I was going to be out of insulin. Because I was not knowing how the next, I was going to have to fast for three days. I was going to have to do these things to make it. And uh, ever since then, um, Keith caught me up on what he's doing presently. And uh, things I didn't know about him, to give you a little background. So you'll know who's coming. Um, Keith has uh, always been, I guess for lack of better words, in social work. He was the director of either the Jackson County or Johnson County or one of them counties. Um, He was the director of their welfare system. Um, He had a paper published in 1993 um, that you can look and find. Um, in the Harvard School of Medicine on reforming the welfare system. And I I don't understand a lot of these things, but as I learn, it's interesting. Because bottom line is, when you read this case study, it's all about empowering those across the table from you. They can offer something, right? It's all about getting in relationship with an individual to the point where you can hold them accountable. It's about being loving enough at the welfare system at the time. It's become becoming loving enough that I've got 10 services available sitting at my desk. Okay, to sh- tell you about, but they would only tell them about the one they were asking for. So it, it's a very interesting case study. And the reason that he's coming here in particularly is because I think that what he wants to do to educate us about how to be human and how to be a believer in Christ because he's solid that way is a neat way to have a perspective to go forward and build the kingdom. When I read Jude and I read this, I, I can't help but incorporate what I've already been given and know because And now to him who can keep you on your feet, standing tall in his bright presence, fresh and celebrating to our one God, our only Savior, through through Jesus Christ, our Master, be glory, majesty, and strength. And rule before time ever and ever. We have the capability to have and see those things, the kingdom grow. 
with that perspective. A lot of us carry fears not to engage because our stuff might come out too. And that's where the confession group really helped me. Um, I had learned before I moved here that I needed something like a confession group. I had gone through some training and leadership and whatnot at the church that I was at before. And the first thing that they required of us was to sit in this place called the house of prayer for a minimum of so many hours a day to push us to be connected to the Father. Use Jesus as our example how to administer what we hear to build the kingdom presently, now. And it's proven to work on a basic way for me. It just really has. Um, There's a lot to be said about a prayer life. I think it's the essential piece when you look at Jesus. He didn't make a move. He even stopped from may beg not to make a move with his flesh because he didn't want it and then bowed to it because his father said so. I think it's really important that some paradigm shifts of understanding happen. And I'm no theologian. I know I haven't been to school other than on the street. And it's interesting when you commit to educating yourself using the words and those that go to those places that have really tried to figure this out even, that you can sit and have relationship with people and reach those places of uncomfortability and go through them because you have faith that they're there. All right, so we spoke a lot <laughs> to, the, to the believers, right? And I don't know all of you, and there might be some of you in here that's a non-believer, and this is where I get weird and I might get in trouble. <laughs> Quinn, watch me. Okay, the kingdom of God is live and well. And it has to do with Christ as our Savior. But does the book not say you've got to hear the Father to come to Christ? Right? Am I wrong? Anybody please? Because I'm kind of standing on this one right now for myself. And I have for a long time. Okay. I think that that's very important to hear. And this is where I'll get weird. Because the kingdom of God's everywhere, Right? It's the people that's messed it up, the message. So the truth is everywhere, right? In everything. I'm going to, boy, I might get shouted at, but that's okay. Truth is everywhere. Because that's God, right? Now, we subscribe to Christ as our emissary, our savior, our understanding of how to facilitate that as a human. You can't even get a full understanding of Christ till you see the kingdom around you, till you hear the voice of the Father. Now, however that plays out for you, I was lucky. I had this weird, crazy moment where I heard something, okay? And maybe that's the story because I became a believer a long time ago. I believe that because of my Christian or my Catholic upbringing. I knew Jesus was the answer. I was not ready to bow my authority to my Father because of my walk. I had a terrible example. And then I started to find out that the, that the only way to really hear and understand was to get to know the Father. That's what happened at other church. So I said yes to Jesus because I was knocked over the head and I heard this voice and I believed it to be Christ to change my ways of presenting the kingdom. I bowed my authority to the Father at that point in time because he was the way. 
Jesus was the only way I knew. So it had to be the right way because it felt right. So I became a Christian instead of a hellion, right? I had the first five years, I was Bible-thumping Christian textbook. And then I found out about the message of the kingdom of God being ever-present, ever-real. And then I have to hear the Father, and that was His voice I heard, not Jesus. Now, that's my walk. Okay? But once that happened, things changed. Okay? I accepted Christ as my Savior in that moment because it was real to me. But for the next five years, I went way from left to right and tried to be this cookie cutter, do it right, as everybody told me. And then I found out about prayer and something more deep that forced me into that refining process to be the show. When I came to Columbus with my family, there was a mission mandated on my life by God. And that was find five guys to walk with heavily to build the kingdom. That's my walk. So ever since I've come here, I've looked for avenues. Because I'm terrible at relationship with guys. I've gotten a lot better. I just am. I wanted to be the big one. I wanted to be the manipulator. I wanted to be the one in charge all the time. I wanted that to control my life. So the living room for me has taken everything I've known, and now I'm in this other process at the end of coming here for me because this is scary to me to stand up here. You know, one of the things I subscribe to heavily is being prepared as a vessel not to be in the way for the Lord because that's what we are supposed to do every day, not get in the way. And this is heavy responsibility according to what God mandates for anybody that comes up here. It's a given. We all agree on that. So as I stand and I shake with the three guys around me I've walked with and praying for me, you know, um, all we can do is prepare ourselves every day Every day, every speaking moment, every walking down the street, simple things like smiles instead of frowns, you know. Anybody that knows me says, you know, I'm, you know, I don't see how you do it. I don't see how you're so happy. Well, it's pretty easy. That opens the door to this really cool conversation, right? Right? And accepting people for who they are. They need to believe that the kingdom is alive and well. And showing that they live like that anyway, there's pieces of God in every one of us to accentuate for you to see that you're good, man. And at some point, whether you believe in Christ as your Savior or not, it'll come up in my relationship with people, sometimes quicker than later. Sometimes they got to go way over there for two or three years before they can even come back and accept what I've said or they want to change, you know, out of the blue. Each of us can do this. We do to a degree always. Whether it's your family or not, it's the process. And just accepting that as process is the first step. And knowing that your example is Christ is the essential piece. But as a believer in Jesus, all I am is a facilitator for this shell to present what he did. And I'm going to mess it up. And I want you to tell me and you to tell me. And all of you, really, I might not listen to some of you. But I'll hear you. And I take ev- we all take everything that we hear and evaluate it and make a choice on how to respond. And I think that that's why I like what's happened with Keith for me. He's, he's, he looked at me one day and he says, what's this spin out thing you keep talking about? You're spun out. Oh, 
gosh, that took like a half hour of a conversation. Mainly to help me see that I'm okay. I don't need to say, when I say, and there's, you know, that terminology being spun out is dangerous sometimes, depending on who you're hanging out with and what they might know, what that means and understands. I don't need some person that's taking ecstasy that I'm helping, and I say, whoa, I'm spun out today. They think I'm doing ecstasy because that's their understanding of what that means. And working with people on how to use this to facilitate the kingdom of God coming alive so that they personally can hear the Father's call and say yes to Jesus. Now, I hope that that's quickened because of who we are as believers. It might be a five-second booth. Or it's I'm walking and I'm in the right place and the Lord is before me. And they say, wow. And have no clue what that wow is until we can have a relationship to talk about it. Breaking those first barriers of contact with people. I don't care if I see this young lady I never see again. Okay, I, I would love to, by the way. Don't, don't do that to me. But my point to that is, my mission, because she's sitting right there, is that she gets clarity to hear our Father. I don't know if she's a believer. I'm using it. Please, sorry. You might be a believer. So that she can hear the Father in herself, the call to come to understand Christ. And that happens for people on all different ways. It might just be a moment of walking in and smiling and them saying, why are you smiling and you're in this pain and you got to go to this doctor? There we go. Because this shell will smile as much as I can make it. Period. I might not like it. They tell all the science, these science things, right? Best muscles, all these things. But damn, it's hard. Sometimes. And it can be as simple as that with other people. And getting in there and getting, being able to show them Jesus. You know, um, all right, accolades, right, the living room. And this is why I've loved this, Quinn, and those of you that have started this thing before I was here. I've seen it change different ways over the last four or five years, right? A lot of us have. But I think something that's very basic that I pray will never change is the freedom to be yourself in the Lord. And none of us will judge you. Those of us that grab hold of each other will walk together and further the kingdom. And I believe that's church. Base. Baseline. Okay? So I'm going to really get out there and say, I don't want to do this, Lord. Does anybody have any questions? No? Anybody have any comments? I know. I'm doing good. I got two minutes. I paid attention this time. Why do you think I'm asking for questions and comments? I mean, is there anything anybody want to share real quick as an example of how this really works? Simple. Go ahead, Kevin. Elaborate right there. Okay, going easy on those who hesitate in the faith, going after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners. 
who we all are, but not soft on sin. Stop there. Yes. You mean as a believer, you have the faith that Christ is your Savior and that God and all that. Um, I think, done this with you, right? I think that it's important that we understand that sin is not something that necessarily comes out of our flesh. That it's something we have to make a decision not to do with our flesh. Okay? But if I do, and you're my brother, and we've agreed that this is my walk, and that I have messed up and sinned against God, we should have a relationship with each other as such that you put me on the table in love as soon as possible because I don't want to screw up anymore. You know, um, hence the spiritual battle and the commonness of walking with those that we're comfortable with. You know, when you figure out that the battle of sin is spiritual and you share it with that guy and that guy and there's these common bases. Now, how that plays out is, as believers, we are to be the example of Christ, right? So we don't act upon that reaction like we used to. And we stop and figure out how can we present that differently. Does that help? All right, parents, sorry. I guess I'm supposed to tell you to go get the kids. Um, Yeah, it's 12.15. She's pointing at me, too. Tim. Good. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. All right. Well, uh, anybody have any announcements that I did not cover? Music here at 430. Anybody interested? Tim and Rose will be here. Uh, Angie, do you want to say something? Oh. Oh, no, 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 no. I said if anybody's interested, be here at 430. Be here at 4.30. Um, just as an overall, we did meet, um, and I think Josh might have said something last week. Um, there's there's a calendar established. Um, one of the things the living room struggles with is, and I'm hoping to work on that along with others, is uh, getting people to get involved. Now, there's a little bit of us to do, but we need some of you new people to look at things, okay? We have lots to do in the community. Um, it's easier to have a team. 